Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. So last week we looked at the story of a father who had a son who was possessed by an evil spirit from the time he was a small child. And this evil spirit was trying to destroy this child. In fact, uh, the story goes that he would, some, he would throw him into the water when he wasn't able to swim. He would throw him into the fire to try to burn him. And so this father's life had been trying to somehow or other protect this child. And, and I'm sure asking God, you know, can't you just fix this? And, and bearing this burden for a number of years. Finally, he hears about Jesus. And he goes and takes uh, his son to Jesus. But Jesus isn't present. Jesus is away at the moment. And so he talks to the disciples and they say, well, we should be able to take care of this for you. And they went and tried to cast this evil spirit out and they were not able to. Can you imagine how this father feels now? This hope that he thought he had has now been taken away. A little bit later, Jesus shows up and ends up in a conversation with this man. And he asks him about what's happened and how's it going to, and he talks to him. And, and um, then the man in his desperation says to Jesus, the son of God, he says, if you can do anything, please do. Can you understand that feeling right? But he, he didn't really take into to consideration who it was he was talking about. Actually, I would say he probably didn't really know who Jesus was fully. He didn't really understand that he was God in, in uh, human form. But so he says, if you can do anything. And Jesus says, you know, it's, it's not about if I can do anything. That's not a problem. He says, if you can believe, because all things are possible to him who believes. And so all of a sudden, this father is thinking, here yeah, I stand for Jesus, and I gotta believe. And he says, Lord, okay, so he is, he's yielded to him. He says, Lord, I believe. And then immediately falling, same breath, help my unbelief because I struggle to believe. If you were that father and over this time and you, you had all this with your son and you're trying to figure out what to do, could you understand that you might struggle with some doubts? Yeah. Well, the reality is that at some point in our lives, Sometimes more often than not, we find ourselves nagged by a lack of belief. Help my unbelief. Yes, we believe. There are things we would say we believe. We're into this, we're going with God, but man, there's something that just keeps nagging. It's a, it's a question that keeps nagging. It's a doubt that doesn't go away, and it just hangs in there. Now, we have times in life where we aren't struggling like that, but my point is it's not unusual at all to find ourselves there. And we just, first of all, just let me tell you, if you find yourself there, it's not where you want to stay, but it's okay. The fact that you find yourself there and are aware that you're there is a good thing because it puts you in a position to be able to grow and see things change. And by the way, you can be a Christian that's a mature Christian. You've known the Lord for many, many years, walking faithfully with him, living your life as much as you can by the word, and then all of a sudden, at some point in life, because of something that happens or a thought that crosses your mind, all of a sudden, boom, a doubt can rise that doesn't want to let go. This is real life, folks. Christianity is not a, oh, 
trust Jesus as your Savior, and everything is going to be perfect. And just send the money in to me, and I'll take care of it. Now, you know I'm joking, right? But that's the kind of thing you hear. It's just not the way it is. Think of people in the Bible. Abraham failed to believe God and made some bad choices. Elijah, great victories for God, and then all of a sudden he isn't believing God anymore. He has these huge doubts. Even the apostle Paul found himself, you know, he had been... uh, stoned and left for dead and persecuted and all this, and he says that we were giving up. We had given up. He says, oh, but God used it so that we would learn to trust in him who can even raise the dead. And so, this is real life, folks. And so this sermon series on unbelief is, is intended to help us to, to get a, a, a good understanding of what it really means to believe God. And then how do we deal with it when we have this help my unbelief thing going on? And then at the end, we're going to talk about how do we grow our, our faith? How do we grow stronger in believing God? So let's just do a quick review Uh, of what we talked about last week. We're talking about what does it really mean to believe God? What does it really mean to believe him? And we said there's two aspects to this, okay? There is a truth aspect, and then there is a trusting aspect, trusting. And so it goes like this. We have to have both of these components to believe God. And so the idea is we have to identify what's really true. What is it that I am basing this belief on? And we said that getting it right is extremely, extremely important. We illustrated it with this chair. And we said, here's the idea. If, if I look at this chair and I say this chair is designed to hold someone like me, okay? It looks like it's well designed. It's got a back to lean against, a pad so it's softer. It's all welded up nice. Everything is fine, okay? So theoretically, I ought to be able to what? Sit on it, okay? So I, I can sit on it. That's true. But what if, like I said, I didn't realize that these welds were broken? and they're ready to fall off, and I don't know that. I think it's true that it will hold me, but I go to sit on it, and what's gonna happen? Boom, I'm going down on the floor, okay? Why, because what I was basing this belief on wasn't true. And you do that a couple times, you start wondering if it's ever true that a chair will hold you. Same thing in our lives, we said, if we believe, if, excuse me, I should say, if we think, if our understanding of the truth is that God's primary job is to keep bad things from happening to us and to make us happy in life, that's the truth that I'm going with. What's gonna happen? <laughs> it's going to fail at some point because that, it's not God's job. Bad things will happen to me in my life. I will find times when I am unhappy in life, see? And, and all of a sudden I'm gonna go, well wait a minute, maybe this God thing isn't real. And I'm struggling to believe, but I've missed the point. It isn't that the God thing isn't real. The problem is I was thinking something was true that wasn't. So see, truth is a crucial, crucial part of being able to believe God. And we'll talk some more about that today. Then we said that knowing is never enough. Remember that? I can know the truth all day long, but just knowing it is not believing God about it. 
Okay, once again, if I tell you this, this is chairs all set, it can hold me. And I, I say, I'm, never, I'm not gonna sit in it. Do I really believe it will hold me? No, I know information, but if I say, no, I just, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it. See, I'm not believing because I'm not doing what? I'm not trusting what I know is true. And so it is with God that uh, we use the example of the resurrection and we said that the resurrection, we looked at it on Easter, that we can settle the fact that Jesus rose from the dead historically, doesn't require a lick of faith to arrive at a conclusion that Jesus actually rose from the dead in history. And yet the Bible says for me to, to uh, have my sins forgiven and come to a personal relationship with him, I have to believe that he rose from the dead from my heart. So what's up with that? Because I, if I know it, isn't that enough? No, the idea of believing then of your heart, trusting is saying I'm going with this truth. Because he's, this is true, it means these things in my life. I am going to trust God. I am going to go there. As opposed to knowing it, but I'm not going there. See the difference? Now if, 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 I, if I'm losing, would some, if I'm losing right now, would you just raise your hand and say I'm, you're losing me? Okay. Uh, so these two things are crucial when it comes to believing God. There's the truth aspect and then there's the, the act of the will where we choose to trust that truth. And when we're doing that, we're believing God. And when we find ourselves with doubts, very often there's a problem with one of these two things. And this is what we're gonna see today. We're actually gonna go through some reasons why we might struggle to believe God when, when belief seems elusive to us. You know, we believe, but there's always this unbelief. And what we find is it's usually a truth component and a trust component that we're struggling with on our unbelief. And sometimes it's more like, it's like a seesaw. Sometimes it's more about the truth. That's the problem with our struggle to believe. And, and we're willing to trust, but we, don't, we have truth issues. And other times, it's, we don't have truth issues. That's settled, but we have trust issues. And, and so we're gonna see that as we work through these things today. So remember, we came down with a simple working definition for what's it mean to believe God. It's choosing to trust God to live by whatever he says is true. Okay, so here's what God says is true. I am going to choose to tr trust God and live by that truth. That's what it means to believe God. Choosing to trust God to live by whatever he says is truth. Now, what we want to really focus in on today is this. When belief is elusive, when we're struggling with doubts, what's going on? How do we respond? And there's some really, really good answers here. And, and by the way, let me say to you, there is a reason that sometimes we struggle with doubt that we're going to talk about next week. We're not going to talk about it today. And that's when really hard things happen. The bad things in life, I mean the really bad things in life that happen and just hammers us in our faith and we struggle to believe God. We're gonna talk about that next week. But this week we're gonna talk about when this whole idea of believing God just seems elusive and I, the doubts just don't go away and they nag at me. What's going on? Well, I have five reasons I think for these things. And the first one is this, it's very simple, it's lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. If you don't know what the truth is, how can you trust God to live by it, right? You have to, to know it. There's a lack of knowledge. 
uh, when Paul was talking to Timothy, he says, talks about the fact that, uh, go ahead and go to that scripture if you would. He said that you, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. And he goes on and talks about how you've known the Holy Scripture since you were a child. Well, what if you've never learned those things? What, what if you don't know the Bible? The whole truth thing is missing, isn't it? How can you trust God about that thing? Jesus challenged even the religious leaders about this of his day when they were uh, opposing him. And in Matthew, he said this, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. And so as a result, they weren't able to make this trust decision with Jesus because they were wrong about the truth. Now, Here's kind of a picture, I think. Doesn't happen very often. How many of you guys, men, are, are the grocery shoppers in the family? That's what I thought, not very many. Okay, I mean, I go to the grocery store, you know, I know where the ice cream is, I know where the, you know, the chips are, I mean, I can find that stuff. But on a rare occasion, my wife is busy, all of a sudden she needs something, maybe two or three something for something that we're doing, so I say, I'll go get it, and I head to the grocery store. And I wander the aisles. <laughs> I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking. And you walk past someone who works at the store and you smile and say, hi. I'm a man, I don't ask for directions. Finally out comes the phone, right? Hi love. You know that stuff I said I was supposed to get? Do you know where it is? <laughs> and almost always she knows and can tell me. But what I'm trying to say is this, when I don't, I, I lack that knowledge. I don't have that knowledge and as a result I wander. And I, I don't end, it's not productive. Well the same thing for us as Christians. When we don't really know what God has said, we wander. And, and then we can have doubts. I mean, this happened to some of you just not too, recent, not too far back when we took five weeks and talked about what God says about you and your money. You remember that? And we talked about God says this and God says that and we showed that how it worked. And some of your eyes got really like big like this because you had never ever heard that before. And that was a big thing. And so you struggled with choosing to trust God. But the reason is because you didn't really know and understand the truth, see? So this truth part is crucial. Now, uh, this is the easiest of the reasons to solve, okay? Because it's just a lack of knowledge. And so what I would challenge you to do, if you have a lack of knowledge and if, you know, you're struggling to, to really believe God and maybe you have a lack of knowledge, so do this, make it a point to be here on Sundays when the word of God is preach to you, taught to you. Make it a point to be here. If you can't be here for some reason, and that happens, make sure that you watch it online or that you listen to it online. In other words, purposefully go after the knowledge that you're lacking. Join, join a life group or, and, and get in there and where you're gonna discuss the things of God and, and you can ask questions and, and learn. Begin reading the Bible for yourself. Now, you might say, well, I, there's so much in there I don't understand. Let me tell you, you pick up the Bible and start reading it. Don't worry about what you don't understand. 
Be concerned about what you do understand. And you start someplace, and you begin to grow and learn. And eventually you'll find that the lack of knowledge will no longer be, at least not as much, creating doubts for you. Although I would say to you, you may have been a Christian for a long time, and something may come up in your life, and all of a sudden you realize, I don't know what God really says about this. Maybe I, I kind of think I know what some other people but I'm just not sure I know. So even as a Christian who's been saved for a long time, there may be times when lack of knowledge is going to lead to your doubts, but you can resolve this one real easy, okay? So uh, get after it, start learning, gain that knowledge. Now, the second one, second reason that we find ourselves with these nagging doubts uh, is similar to the first, but I call it, it's uh, intellectual questions. I should say intellectual questions. Now, God wires us differently. God wires some people to just really be thinkers. You know what I'm talking about? They, they think deeply about everything. They have to, you know, they have to have answers to all the questions and the answers have to be you know, in line and fit. They want answers not just to their questions, they want answers to everybody else's questions and they want to compare those answers. And I admit I'm one of those people. I'm one of those kind of people you know, who has these, oh, I want to figure it out, I want to know it all, I want to understand it all. And if you aren't sure this is you, ask your husband or wife, they know. They know if it's you. There are like four, four areas of intellectual questions that people have. The first are logical, philosophical kinds of questions. Log they're the if, this, then, that kind of question. So, so if Jesus, is, if, if God, let's do this, if God is good, then whatever question you want to ask, see? If God is able to then whatever kind of question you want to ask. So those are the logical, philosophical kind of questions. Then there are the uh, how, how, how does, or what about kinds of questions, right? And, and so, um, you know, what about other religions? You know, uh, how can God, how can Jesus be both God and man at the same time? Those kinds of questions. Uh, then there are the, um, the why questions. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why doesn't God, you know, and then fill in the blank. Okay, those kinds of questions. And then there are the questions that we would just call the mysteries, trying to understand. And this is, okay, like the Trinity. How do we really fully understand the Trinity, right? One God. How many gods? One God. How many gods? One God. God, one God exists as three persons. Three gods? No, one God. Three, I mean, but that's a little hard for us to get our head around. So uh, the, this uh, intellectual questions, we, we talk about those kinds of things. Now, here's the thing. Far too often, um, people who have these kinds of questions think the, ability, the inability to answer a question is a deal breaker then for faith. That's not really true. 
Because there are so many things that we can know. And let me, let me just step back here. The goal for this person really ought to be this. If you want to be able to believe God, with all of your thinking, take those, 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 that way of thinking and asking questions and all that and use it to develop a biblical worldview, a, a way of looking at the world that matches what God says in the Bible. That's what we need to do. Okay, so we want to think that way and figure out those things. And then understand this, there are good answers to these questions. I guarantee you, you probably will not come up with any reasonable question that has not already been asked. And people have already worked on. And there are answers to those kinds of questions. Um, and, And we can know these things. And what we have to do is we have to change our thinking and not be conformed to this world, but to be instead transformed by the renewing of our mind as we learn to think differently and get answers to these questions and apply those answers. Now, when I say there are good answers to all of these questions, I don't mean that you will have perfect and complete understanding of everything. If you have perfect and complete understanding of everything there is to know, Who are you? God, exactly. In fact, let me show you a verse that's just been so helpful to me. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. If you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you to take one out of the chairs there. We're gonna be on page 237. Deuteronomy, chapter 29. It's an easy reference to remember because it's chapter 29 and it's verse 29. And this verse has just been so helpful to me in life as a question asker. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, again, page 237. says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law, that we might live the way God has told us to live. It says here, and it's kind of a duh realization. It's a duh, and that's that, hey, there are some things that only God knows, and I'm not gonna know. As long as I'm here on this earth, there's some things I am never going to know. They're the secret things. The Lord knows those. I don't know those. There may even be some things when this life is over that we still don't know, because we don't become God when we leave this life. And so it's just logical to say, God is gonna know some things that I don't know. And the secret things belong to him. Now, anything else, anything else that I can know, it's been revealed, it's been revealed in his word or in our ability to think and ask questions. Anything that I can know, he says, that's what I'm supposed to deal with. Those things which are revealed belong to us. They're our responsibility that we may do what God says. Okay? So this verse to makes it very, very helpful as I approach life as a person who asks the intellectual questions. There's one other thing I want you to understand related to this particular reason. We talk about truth, okay? Truth and then trust and trusting God and this area of truth. Here's a mistake that we make. We think that my ability to Trust God is, determ- is, is, is dependent on my understanding of what's true. 
Now, I've been telling you what's true matters, and it does. But here's what I want you to see. God never told us to trust an it, the truth. He didn't say trust it. He says trust him. And there's a difference. Yeah, you gotta go with what you believe is true and your best understanding of it. But you don't trust your understanding of it. You trust God. He not called you to trust in it, but to trust him. Turn to Proverbs chapter three, verses that we all know, or most of us know. If you've been around for any length of time, we've probably looked at it in a service. Proverbs chapter three, page 727 in the Bible there in the chairs. Proverbs three, starting in verse five. We're talking here about believing God, right? Trust in the truth with all your heart. That must be a different version, right? No, trust in what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Okay, so my ability to believe God ultimately is not dependent on how perfectly I've understood the truth. I'm not gonna depend on that. I'm gonna make the best call I know how. I'm gonna go with it the best I know how. But the decision here is not to trust my understanding. The decision is to do what? To trust God. And if I'm getting it wrong, whoa, what happens then? Let's read. Verse six, in all your ways acknowledge him. In other words, do the best you can with this. Live it out. And it says, and he shall direct your paths. So what if my understanding of the truth is flawed, but I choose to trust God and go with him? Is it gonna work? Well, at some point there's gonna be problems, right? That's what we said. But I keep trusting God, what's he gonna do? He's gonna work with that and, and get me to where I need to go. He can fine tune my understanding of the truth. He will work in my life. And so this a reason for doubting God, intellectual um, questions. The solution is, is go find the answers. Search out the truth. Understand the best you can. And then choose to trust God, not your intellectual ability to understand. All right. Third reason that I think we find ourselves with belief being elusive and struggling with doubts is this. Just plain old wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Uh, and, and what we end up doing is in, we, we, can, we look at truth, but somehow or other we don't focus on truth, and rather than trusting, we fear. Now, let me give you an example. Isaiah says this. He says that God, talking to God, he says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixed on you. And then it links it to trust. When your mind is stayed and fixed, fixed on God, then we can trust him. Okay, you see the connection there? And wrong thinking goes like this. Just let me give you an example of it. Here's the wrong thinking. We start with truth, here's the truth. I know God is good. I know that God says that he will provide my needs and my family's needs. I know God is able to do this. Truth, are all those things true? Right, okay. 
So God is good, he, he promises to provide for my family and I, and he is able to do those things. That's truth. But what if I lose my job? But, but what if I, you know, how will I pay the bills? How, how will I buy groceries if I lose my job? How, how will I make the mortgage or the rent payment? And, and where are we gonna live when I can't do that? And how are we gonna pay the medical bills when I have a nervous breakdown because of all of this? With some wrong thinking going on. You see what I mean, what are we doing? We're focusing on not the truth that ought to be controlling our lives, but everything else. And it leads us to fear instead of trust. Paul challenged his readers in, in Philippi when he said this, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, and then he gives a list of things, good, lovely, all this stuff, but whatever things are true, he says, meditate on these things. God is good. God promises to provide for me and my family. God is able to do this. I have to choose to meditate on that and focus on that, not on, but what if I lose my job? How will I buy the goods? You see what I'm saying? Can you see the difference? Or not? Okay. So, let me give you a practical, so we wanna we want focus on the truth, not on the fears. Let me give you a practical way to focus on what's right. And it's a strange little saying, but what I want you to learn to do is to put the controlling truth on the right side of the butt. That's not even grammatically correct, is it? But it is, let me show you. Put the controlling truth, the truth that, that you want to control, the truth that you need to trust God about, you wanna put that on the, literally on the right side of the butt in your sentences. Let me give you an example. Here's how we tend to think. Okay, I know God is good. I know that he's promised to provide for me and my family. I know that he's able to do this, but what if I lose my job? How am I gonna pay the bills? And on and on it goes. And See, that's backwards. What did we put on the right side of the butt? All the things we're afraid of and fearful about. And I'm telling you, what we wanna do is put this controlling truth on the right side of the butt. Let me show you. You know what? I might be losing my job, but God is good and promises to provide for my family and he can do that. You see the difference? The focus is now on this truth about God that I can now trust and believe, you know? I don't know how we're gonna buy the groceries or make the rent, I don't know. But God is good. God has promised to provide for me and my family and he's able to do that. And so anytime you find yourself with an issue where you're struggling with this wrong thinking and you just can't get, you may need to put the truth on the right side of the butt. All right, this brings us to the fourth reason that we may struggle with doubts, and faith is elusive. And, and this is uh, unresolved sin, unresolved sin. When we allow sin into our lives and then we let it stay there, and maybe we've worked hard, we don't wanna, we, we've tried to stop, and, but it's just like a, a habit for us, and, and we, we can't seem to get out, we've asked God to help us, and we still find ourselves there, and then all of a sudden we start saying, well, wait a minute, maybe, Maybe this isn't really true. 
Or maybe it doesn't really work for me. You see, because we aren't designed to live with the tension of of what we believe and what we experience being different. We're not designed that way. And even bigger, I think, for Christians is this, you go like this. Okay, I'm struggling with this. I'm the one who's sinning. How can I expect God to do anything for me? Now, this is all faulty thinking. We go back and look at all of that. But I think the simplest thing here is to say this, that he who covers his sins shall not prosper. So when you have unresolved sin in your life that's staying there and it begins to create struggles with you trusting God, begins to create doubts, you gotta deal with the sin. If you cover your sins, you will not prosper, but if you confess them and forsake them, the Bible says you will have mercy, okay? So we wanna turn away from them. Well, how are we gonna deal with this? Two things, get real, get help. Get real, get help. Get real is this. Don't make the mistake of if you're struggling with sin, you say, well, I've asked God to help me and it has and all this kind of stuff. Never ever put the responsibility for your sin at God's door. You need to own that responsibility for yourself. You're there because of choices you've made. You're there because of maybe things that you have believed and that's why you're there. It's your responsibility. And yes, so you need to be open about that. And you need to be real, not just in your mind, but real before God. God, here I am, I know this. I know it doesn't belong in my life. I believe you, help my unbelief. Get real and then get help. Because if you're stuck, if you find that I just can't get out of this, you gotta go get help. You gotta go to somebody and say, listen, I have a problem with this in my life. I, I try to, to do right here and then I go back to what's wrong and I don't know how to beat this. I need help, get help. Boy, but that's kind of humbling, isn't it? Well, the good news is God gives grace to the humble. God will help you. Get real, get help. And you'll start to find out the way in a minute. I can go ahead and trust God here. I can believe him in this. And the final reason that we want to look at this morning is this, unwillingness to surrender to God. That will lead you to doubt. That will lead you to have questions and, and say, I don't know if I can trust God. And here's the deal, here's what we're talking about. This is where you know what the truth is. You know what, what God says about this. You understand what that is. And you know that if I choose to trust that, it's going to mean certain things in my life. I don't want those things. I do not want to stop doing that. I do not want to start doing that. I do not want to have to live this way. I'm not going to trust. Now, hopefully that's none of you here. But what happens? I mean, I told you that we aren't designed to live with this tension between what we say we know is true and then how what we really live and experience. And what happens is you will begin to rationalize why I'm not gonna do that. It's because, you know what, I'm not convinced God really is good. I'm not even sure God exists. And you begin to look for reasons to justify. Because if this is true, you ought to do this. And when this is true and you won't do this, you've got to figure out how to deal with that. And most people start saying, well, maybe this isn't true. And all the doubts and questions come. 
Turn to Romans chapter 1. And we'll finish up with this here. It's going to be on page 1294 in the Bible in the chairs there. Romans chapter 1. Let me show you where this unwillingness leads us to. Verse 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, what's the next word? Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We're not gonna go there. I'm opposing that truth. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, they can know the truth, but they suppressed it instead. They pushed back against it. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And that's where you put yourself when you know what's really true and you say, I will not, I refuse to go with God on this. Not going to do it. It's going to mess your thinking up. And you're going to think you're becoming so wise, but in reality you are becoming more and more foolish. And you won't obviously be believing God. The solution to this starts, obviously, of, of repenting. That's a rebellious heart. And saying, okay, God, I see. I, 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 I've, I've been resisting you. I've been saying no to you. I don't want to have it. But God, I know that's not right, so I admit that to you. But God, you know my fears about this, or you know how I feel about this. And so we get back to this, folks. Lord, I believe what? Help me. Help my unbelief. When you come before God like that, he will work in your life. And that's what we do when we receive Christ as Savior, don't we? We finally come to realization that we've sinned against the holy God our sins have separated us from him, and if we die in that condition, we will be separated from God forever in hell. But the truth is that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us, rise again from the dead, and that if we will acknowledge our need and just place our faith in him and say, okay, I don't have all the answers, I don't understand everything, but I know that I've sinned, and I know I need a Savior, and I receive Christ as my Savior. Starts there and then goes from there. So these five reasons, and let me say to you this today, I call them reasons on purpose. They are reasons why we struggle. They are not excuses. You know what I mean by a difference? In other words, there are real reasons why we struggle, that's okay. We all have those things, and so we deal with them. We got reasons, we figure out what those reasons are, we deal with it, and then happens, we, we deal with it again. We, reasons. Excuses means, oh, it's okay, you don't have, you're excused from this responsibility. But we're not. We're not excused from the responsibility to believe God. 
So let me challenge you today. Where have you found yourself in this, this list of, of reasons why we might find ourselves struggling to believe God? Figure out the reason. Don't excuse yourself. Move toward God and watch him work in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and that you show us the, the reasons that we struggle to believe you. I'm confident, Lord, that we here today we want to believe you. So help us to understand what's going on when we're struggling and that we might grow in that. And that whether we struggle now or in the future or whenever that happens, Lord, that each time we find ourselves struggling to believe you, that we would choose to move towards you and trust you. I pray it in Jesus' name.